0: That's right, chapter 13, and the title is? Man, give it up for Bonnie. Awesome, you're getting to the study. Had it memorized. Ruth's here, right? Sorry, okay, we've got it balanced out tonight. The role of the woman, wife, and mother. And once again, as we saw there at the top of page 167, what is our standard for womanhood? Feminism, that's right, uh, AP. Uh, no, it's not feminism. Wrong answer, and um, that's the problem today, isn't it? Society, or ourselves, our feelings, our peers, whatever, how we saw it growing up, whatever. Anything and everything, it seems, except for the Bible. Now, ladies, of course, you're not alone. As we saw the guys do the same thing, and even kids being raised today. All messed up, and Lord, one we'll get to that in one of these days, Ruth. <laughs> Some days, <laughs> that's right. And so then we saw. Well, all right. Then what's that Chris, uh, Christian character supposed to be like? We saw just a little bit of a nutshell. Is ladies at the top of page one sixty eight need to be a godly lady? Not just a lady, not just a woman, not just a Christian woman. You need to be a godly one. Okay. Uh, need to have your care and concern for your family. Okay. Uh, need to be concerned about that. You need to have listen a gentle and quiet spirit. Why is that important? it's precious that's right it's precious Bobby not only to the husband but also to God is what the scripture says uh as well okay then we saw well of course what's the role in society well just like with the guys we are supposed to be the salt and the light we're supposed to be leading the way back by example right okay and same thing with ladies not just the guys but everybody and then we saw well what's the role of the woman in the family okay and uh, that's where we're at tonight we're going to take a look at the issue of not just the family now we're going to go into the wife okay what is the role of the wife all right thanks for asking ruth let's begin middle of the page 170 says in our last chapter we dealt extensively with the role of the husband and father from Ephesians chapter five. Okay? Now we're gonna turn and see what it teaches about the wife and the mother. Okay? In this subject, there's two instructions given to the wife and this is gonna be the primary portion of our study tonight. You're gonna see that ladies are called to do two things, subsection A, subsection B. Okay? And what you're gonna see is God gives you two things to focus on when it comes to being that godly wife. You need to subject and it even sort of rhymes. You need to respect. Those two things is what you need to focus on. That's what he says there, Ephesians chapter five. Excuse me. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ also is the head of the church. And let the wife see to it that she what? Respects her husband. So here the wife is called on to be subject is your first point there, is to be subject uh, to her husband. Now the word to be subject is not technically found here in and of itself, in the Greek text, but it's implied by the text back in verse twenty-one, and uh, it's also confirmed by many parallel passages. He mentions them there in Colossians, First Peter, Titus two, Colossians, or Corinthians, etc. And of course, as we saw, the creation order and design. Okay, back there in the very beginning, that's the standard, okay? Which right there tells you it's a creation order, and therefore it's at the beginning of creation, so therefore all the people that want to say this, well, that's just a cultural issue. Sorry, it was there at the very beginning. And that was the pattern. And it's been the pattern, okay? Uh, as he says there. So that's why he's talking about the creation design. Now, the verb here, as well as in the parallel passages, Uh, is in a form indicating that the wife is to place herself under the husband's headship, okay? And the word's defined as, listen to this, to line oneself up under or to submit. Kind of a little bit of expansion there. To line oneself up under. Now, I like the examples that he gives because I think we get that better. Because I really think when it comes to not just women, but to men, families, children, we have been so messed up by our society and we're listening to society instead of the scripture, that frankly, it's just it's such a, a, a polluted, clouded issue now. And we just need to get back to basics. We get it in other arenas, but man, family is so under attack that it's hard for us to get this concept. So listen to some of these analogies. He said, the word was used in a military sense of soldiers submitting to their superior. All right, now we get that, right? All right, Let, let's expand on that a little bit. All right, uh, what's it mean to line oneself up under? Hey, how, how well would a soldier do in any kind of armed services if he did not obey his commanding officer? Any one of them. Man, he'd be the hit of the parade. He'd be, he'd be uh, you know, moving up the ladder in no time. <laughs> right? <laughs> when an order is given, right? What? what? I, mean, I mean, we get that. We know like, what? Are you nuts? Are you crazy? Who in the world are you to rebel against your sergeant or the lieutenant. all at the, You're going to let talk smack in the general's face? Don't recommend it. You know, unless, of course, you want to go to that outpost somewhere in Alaska, up north of Alaska, uh, or something like that. He's, what? That's not a good thing. Well, that's the word that's used here, okay, as he's talking about there. Or slaves submitting to their masters, okay? The word was primarily the idea of giving up one's own right or will, i.e. to subordinate oneself. And think, well, gee whiz, that sounds pretty harsh. You mean a, 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 a wife is supposed to have that kind of same line yourself up under the headship of her husband just like as, you know, a private would with a sergeant or it appears even above that? Yeah, yeah. And the fact that it's just even what causes us to ponder and go, who? It tells you how much society's infected us, okay? And again, what we're gonna see is its proper function. There's nothing weird, it's proper function. We'll get to that in a second, okay? We need to remember that submission here is a term related to function. That's your next blank. A term to function. Paul gives us an excellent illustration on this in his discussion on how headship should be exhibited in the assembly of 1 Corinthians 11. He states this, he says, but I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man and the man is the head of the woman and god is the head of christ so here paul makes uh clears uh, uh that submission and headship are functional your next blank there functional distinctions and are not uh, distinctions in essence let me let me translate that for you uh value because that's what society wants to do they want to take a look at the differences in men and women period and then they want to take the look at the differences in the functions the roles of a biblical man and a biblical woman and look at the differences and say, well, that's not fair. That somehow that role is more valuable than my assigned role. All right, let me, let me flip it around for you. Ladies, how many of you have ever heard a man literally march down the street and got other guys to go with him, with all due respect, ladies, and created this and went to Congress to pass laws, okay, that uh, men have to have the ability to bear children because it's totally unfair that you get to do all that by yourself. That's not right. (laughs) Hey, you think I'm kidding, don't you? (laughs) Right? Now that's ludicrous, right? We get that. But see, this is what feminism has done. They've honed in on your one aspect, okay, of the male headship, the leadership, as if it's not something that's fair. That somehow, that that is more, excuse me? First of all, I'll ab- advocate that valuable uh, service that you do to mankind called childbirth, okay? Uh, to you any day of the week. <laughs> I don't want that one. You can keep your picket signs, right? Okay, but listen, it's just the way that God's wired us. Why do people have to drive a wedge between it and say that somehow that that's not valuable? But that's what they even do to even with uh, childbirth, isn't it, ladies, if you pay attention? That, that, that somehow that being a, a, a mother, is somehow a, 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 a shameful thing or something that's beneath your dignities. What? Since when did that happen, right? And that's what they're doing. It's not an issue of, when he see his essence, it's not an issue of value, but like, well, that's more valuable because he gets to be the leader. Well, you just be goofy and say, well, it's, what, how come I can't give birth to children? It's just, it's just different. They're different functions. They're both equally valuable. And if you leave it alone, it works great. Okay, we'll get that again in a second. Now, now all the Bible is clear that Jesus Christ is fully God. Uh, it is also j- uh, just as clear that there are functional distinctions within the Godhead. As the Son of God, Jesus Christ free willingly submitted his will to the Father to come to earth and down the cross for mankind. Anybody glad about that? Okay, great. Uh, anybody glad that Jesus didn't pick it in the heavens? I think that this is more valuable. No, he, Father's will. Uh, This is most clearly seen in his prayer, obviously in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he said, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not my will, but as you will. Uh, This example by Paul clearly shows that the rest of the Bible confirms that the issue of male headship and female submission, listen, has nothing to do with inferiority and superiority. It's an issue related to the functional design by which God created male and female. That's it. Right? And again, if you leave it alone, it works great. Last week, if you were here, we used the example, the hot example, especially this time of year, uh, is what, how, how, well, how far would you advance down the football field if you had two guys out there simultaneously trying to be the quarterback? This doesn't work, all right? It's one guy's a quarterback and there's other people fulfilling other roles, but hey, you need every single one of them doing what you're called to do in order to get something accomplished. It's the same thing, right? is what he's talking about uh, there. MacArthur, he writes this. Now, here's the point. The same kind of structure that is in the Godhead is necessary in marriage, okay? And this is what he says, by the way, ladies. We're going to get to this. Uh, he, he, he plays out the order, if you will. You got, who's the head? Christ. Okay, God, and if you will, even that, if you wanted to break down the Trinity uh, aspect, okay? But you got Christ as the head, all right? Uh, he is the head of the Man, the husband, okay, as with the head, the wife. And so what they do is they take a look at this linear thing, oh no, it's beneath. No, it's just proper function, right? So, uh, uh, but anyway, so, but uh, this is why the scripture says, ladies, that uh, if you disagree with the man, you don't need to uh, 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 break out and, and say, no, I'm gonna take the lead, okay? And it doesn't mean that you disrespect him. Uh, Lord, we'll get this in our marriage study. The scripture says you need to pray and you need to go to, guess who? you need to pray, you need to still be respectful and you need to pray and you intercede that God will make him into that godly husband, make him, you see what I'm saying? Because first of all, if we're honest with ourselves, how many of us can even change our own heart? Nobody, so how do we think with all of our game planes and all of our little things that we're gonna change somebody else's heart, albeit even a husband and vice versa, right? So you need to just fulfill your role, right? Hey, has anybody ever been in the military? Did you always like the orders that were given to you by your superior? Did you always agree with them? But how are you trained to have your attitude towards them? Fulfill them, subject yourself to that and that authority structure and you were respectful. Okay. Now again, ladies, as we saw, it doesn't mean that you always have to agree, yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. Okay. It doesn't mean that, but you're respectful and you're doing it. Okay. And the thing is too, have you ever seen that sometimes husbands do make a wrong decision? But have you learned that if you do it God's way, guess who dishes out a spanking on the husband? And have you learned that God gives better spankings out than you could ever come up with? Mm -hmm. And that's why I tell men all the time, I says, if you really understood what it means to be a spiritual leader of the home, the pastor of the home, if you will, to use that analogy again, hey, it'll cause you to suck carpet. The fear of God comes all over you. Because you realize that, man, this is serious stuff. And God takes it very serious. And you're called to be that spiritual leader. You can't sit on the sidelines. You can't be an armchair quarterback. You need to be the quarterback. And you need to lead your family in a positive direction. Very, very serious, okay? And it needs to be taken serious. Let's continue on. He talks about this, and he says, uh, <clears throat> uh, MacArthur says, it's uh, the same structure in the Godhead's necessary marriage. The partner's spiritual natures are the what? The same, okay? Their positions before God are equal. But in order for the family to function in harmony, the woman, listen, with no loss of dignity, takes the place of submission to the headship of, of her husband. Her, listen, tenderness and gentleness given by God are uh, to come alongside and support the strength of the man. Okay? As uh, so I say, you'll get a lot more out of the guys, ladies, if you uh, encourage him in being that godly leader. Okay? Not to uh, nag him to death and bring him down and belittle him. And again, we'll get to that in just a second. Mutual submission in marriage. Oh, wait a second. I got to clarify that. Because some people who are a little bit more of the feminist idea, will us say, well, well a, a woman doesn't have to submit to the husband. It's equal 50-50. No, read the context. You're taking that out of context. The mutual submission that he's talking about there is the mutual submission to your God-given role. Men, you are to submit to lead. Ladies, you are to submit to be that helpmate. That's what he's talking about. That's the mutual submission. Okay, he says in marriage it blends without confusion or contradiction with the concepts of the headship and authority as listen She submits to follow So what's the guy supposed to do? You're supposed to lead Right, and it works both ways Ladies, it's not just that you need to submit to follow. It's guys. We need to buck up and you need to lead Okay, and that means you need to take it serious. You need to be the man of the house Okay And again, you do it God's way, it works great. Both authority and submission are preserved, which is an essential for proper function in marriage. Okay, is what he says there. Uh, As in with other other institutions, in the institution of marriage, there must be a leadership structure. Leadership is your next blink there. uh, For things to function properly. Okay, we see the same thing in the government. And that's functioning properly. And the silence was deadly. (laughs) government. Now, why do you think that the government, other than obvious spiritual reasons, uh, probably doesn't function too well? Because everybody's respectful, and they fulfill their roles, and it works w- like a well-oiled machine, and no. In fact, you know what, you, you, to give you an analogy, uh, you know, as we talked about the analogy of it, can you imagine a football team having two quarterbacks, and how much you're going to get accomplished? Okay, let's go back to this this, this uh, government issue. How about, uh, let's say if we had simultaneously two presidents at the, of the United States, how well do you think it would function as a country? Well, it could be better than now. <laughs> and that's on tape, thank you, Mickey. <laughs> but, but believe it or not, I believe it could get worse. Okay, and, uh, but, uh, <laughs> Anyway, let's just turn the page. No, let's finish the thought. Government, okay? Uh, it could get worse, okay? Uh, and that's because, listen, it's just gonna be a cacophony. One person this way, that way, whatever, and it's bad enough as it is, and you just put that in there. Now, believe it or not, as I was doing my notes, we get a taste of that. We get a taste of two people trying to be two presidents at the same time. You know what we call that? Our favorite time, election time. And we all know elections are awesome. Those guys are getting along and they're very kind to each other and they're unison in all their decisions and all that stuff and blah, blah, blah. So, So we get a taste actually periodically of what happens when two people are vying to be the president and it's ugly, isn't it? And it seems to get uglier every election. Same analogy here. Two people in the house. And he uses this example, leadership structure. Two people are trying to be the president of the home. It's ugly. It doesn't work. Okay, now it it doesn't mean one's better than the other. It's just different. Okay, but one's got to fulfill that role and another one's got to fulfill, but both roles are very important. Okay, and that's what he's saying here. Okay, Uh, he says this. We we see the same thing in the government in business. Now we've used this same analogy before, right? How well does a company function if two people uh, have to be the boss? They want to be the boss. Have you ever actually had two bosses? How does that work? (laughs) That same thing. And so he gives us another analogy. Okay, it's just like at home. Somebody's gotta be, if you will, the buck stops here. That's the man in the house. But you got two people trying to be the boss. It doesn't work very well, okay? And that's another analogy uh, that he gives us, okay? And even sports teams, and we just talked about that, okay? Someone has to ultimately be in charge and someone has to follow that leadership. Why? Because if you leave it alone, it functions great. Not just well. Not just subsist somehow, we can make it somehow. It functions absolutely uh, well. In fact, if you do that on the sports, you end up being a great what? Team, Team, okay? You wanna have a great marriage? You wanna have a great family? Then just do this. Yeah, and you celebrate just like that every time. Okay, it's awesome. Just like that, okay? You have a great team, right? What makes for a good team? We've heard it back to the football analogy, okay? Uh, They have, hey, they got all these star players. They're all extremely valuable. But if they don't follow the lead and work together, what happens? I don't care how much money you spend, how many millions and millions of dollars on that talent, you don't accomplish much because nobody's working together. Same thing he's talking about when it comes to the home. Okay, again, a company, right? You got two bosses, if you follow the right, correct structure and the employees work together and they fulfill their part and the management fulfills their part and the owner fulfills his part, what do you have on your hands? You not only have a great team, but you got a great company. Yay, it's successful. Because you're following the same structure, okay? Hey, you're going to battle, right? And uh, how do you win that thing? Well, everybody fulfills what they're supposed to do. You follow the direction, the order. And once that's fulfilled, then hey, you got a great army and you you win the battle and stuff. You see what I'm saying? We get that when it comes to sports and business and government and military. But for some reason, when it comes to home, no. And we wonder why are things all messed up? What's the, what's, the, what's the issue here? And again, here's the thing. We're, we're not making this stuff up. We didn't get this on the back of a Cheerios box. Uh, can, I, can I remind us all? This came from the Bible. And since when did God ever get it wrong? And as if he doesn't know what he's doing. He, he's the one who made us. Male and female. He's the one that gave us the gift of marriage. I think he knows how it's supposed to function. Since when did God get it wrong? Okay? Society may not like it, but that doesn't mean it's not right. All right, let's continue on. He talks about that. Now, in the biblical marriage, that's your next blank there. In the biblical marriage, the leadership structure is Christ, man, woman. And again, ladies, the guy's getting out of line. Man, I let one guy said this. He said, sick the Holy Spirit on him. Go get him, All right? And uh, if a man knows that you're praying, <laughs> You know, along those lines, man, and sometimes it wakes him up, you know, but uh, that God will take care of you, okay? And again, he says this, a final note Ephesians 5.24 states that the wives are to submit to the husband in everything. Now, let's clarify that, though. Like every passage in the Bible, this one needs to be interpreted in the light of overall teaching in the scripture. If a husband tells his wife to do something that violates God's word, she absolutely has to do it. No, of course not. Okay, then the principle of uh, Peter stated in Acts 5.29 applies. Uh, he states, we must obey God rather than man. In fact, let's go ahead and turn there. Uh, Acts. And a uh, great book for lumberjacks. Acts chapter five. Yay, Ruth God. Praise God. I'm glad you're here tonight. Woo, I need you. I need you. Okay, Acts chapter five. And uh, let's actually start to verse 17 and take a look at the context here. Right. Because this is sometimes that people will abuse, even Romans 13, that it talks about, well, you gotta submit to the government. It says right there, you gotta do whatever they say to do. No, it doesn't, read it within the context. Same thing here, okay? If the government asks us to do something that violates the scripture, we don't do it. And that's on tape, okay? Sorry, same thing that they're talking about here. Okay, it says this, verse 17, then the high priest and all of his associates uh, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, and they were Sadducees because they didn't believe in the resurrection, uh, were filled with jealousy and they arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. Now, during the night, listen, the angel of the Lord, an angel Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they have been told and they began to teach the people right back at it. Isn't that cool? Okay, and then he goes on. He says, now when the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders, of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But upon arriving in the jail, the officers did not find him there. So they went back and reported, we found the jail securely locked with the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the uh, captain of the guard, uh, the temple guard and the chief priests were puzzled, wondering what could have come of this. And then someone came and said, look, the men you put out in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went uh, with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared uh, that the people would stone them. Now listen, having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. And he said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you're determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than who? Why? Because God's command supersedes man. Okay, period. And certainly with this context, certainly even with the government, okay? And ladies, so again, it's pretty common sense that if your husband asks you to do something, but if it violates scripture, I'm sorry, you don't do it. And you're not saying against God. Let me give you one more example. Hebrews chapter 10, flip over there. Hebrews chapter 10. And he talks about coming together as Christians. And uh, verse uh, 23 <clears throat> The writer of Hebrews, he said this, now let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us, what? Not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but what? Let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So you know what? My, my, My husband said, you know what? I don't want you going to church services no more. Really? That's not what my Bible says. What's it say? Don't be giving that up, right? Now, sometimes when, you, especially if you're unequally yoked, I mean, these are the decisions you got to live with, okay? And it may not be popular in your house, okay? Now, it doesn't mean just get this spirit of rebellion, whatever, and be counterproductive to what he's saying. But he's saying this is what he, he, he balances it out. But that doesn't mean that you're just as feminism would say, well, whatever he says you got to do, that ain't right. That's not what the scripture says, right? If it violates the scripture, you are not bound to follow that, okay? Uh, and so that, I think, is pretty common sense. Now, returning there to Ephesians 5, 33, Paul writes, and let the wife respect, that's your next one. The first one subject. The second one is respect her husband. Now, this is cool. The word translated respect means reverence, okay? Reverence to show respect. Now, this does not imply that the wife should be afraid of the husband, as if we understand fear. When the scripture uses that, at least in this context, uh, it's more of a reverential. Uh, Fear, KJV, or respect, refers to a reverence for her husband. Listen, God-ordained leadership role. Uh, Cassian, this is that one lady, she's I got an interview of her, awesome. It's a Canadian lady and she actually wrote uh, uh, several books, I believe, uh, for her sons uh, about feminism because she wanted them to grow up to be godly men. I thought, well, that's pretty cool coming from uh, a Christian woman, that was neat. Anyway, it says this, respecting one's husband is similar uh, meaning to fearing him mean, in reverence, to show respect for one's husband is to honor and esteem him, to show consideration or regard for him. Ladies, can I give, can I, can I, can I give you some word pictures so you can catch this? What, how do you do that? What's that look like? Well, he comes into the room. Doo, 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 doo. The king. I'm here for you, man. Get excited, at least for five minutes. The king has entered the room. What was that butter commercial when the person ate the butter and all of a sudden, and the king hat came on? Remember that one? Imperial, can you believe that? Gosh, I can't believe that's not butter. Okay, (laughs) we were singing, I was stuck on band-aids earlier. And band-aids are stuck on me. Anyway, so, uh, but the king walked in. He may not have that hat on, or maybe you could help uh, encourage yourself to get into that mode and buy him that Hat. hat. And when he comes into the house, he wears that hat. Jim, a new hat for you, buddy, what do you think? He likes it, yeah. Yeah, I'll ask you when, when we're outside too. See, We still like it. But anyway, no, but seriously, why? Why? Okay, what we're going to see is just like with the other things, it's a matter you are honoring the position. Okay? L- l- let me give you an, an, another analogy. Let's say the actual president of the United States came walking into these doors and the crowd was silent okay but now granted we may not agree with a lot of the things that are being done by the president but i would assume by nature and probably with the aid of a multitude of cia agents uh but we would probably have what kind of an attitude respectful now we may disagree okay and uh but what is our attitude respect right? Again, back to the military example. You have your superior come in. Maybe you didn't like your sergeant, all right? But when he came in the room, what was your attitude? Respect. Ladies, that's the same thing for the guy. Now, he's going to clearly say, well, listen, it doesn't mean the man always deserves it, but really what you're doing, remember what, what was the train? You, you do it because of Christ. You're doing this because that's the role of Christ, right? And you need to, that's your role, to suspect. Just as he is called to love you, He is called to provide for you. He is called to protect you, even expend his life if necessary for you, as men were called to do that. You need to respect that position of authority in the home. Okay, and that's what what she's talking about here. This position that God has uh, placed him in. Respect is due even though husbands do not always deserve it. The Christian's wife gives respect out of obedience to God, okay? Oh, God, how can I please you today? How can I show you that I'm a dedicated Christian and that I'm growing in my walk with Christ and and I'm getting more and more mature? Do you respect your husband? Do you respect that position that I put him in? He is the president. He is the king. He is the chief commander of the home. Are you respectful? I didn't say you can't communicate. I didn't say that you can't disagree. I said, but in the process of all that, do you respect him? Because that's maturity for the Christian woman. As we saw the same thing with the Christian man. Now, failure to fear and respect one's husband undermines, is your next blank there, undermines his ability and or desire to lead. Why? Because we talked about this before. Here's the game that guys play, ladies, which I'm not condoning because two wrongs don't make a right. But when you try to push us out of the way and take the lead, and when you're very disrespectful as we try to lead, most men basically clam up and stop. Okay, and we're very, very efficient at putting a wall between you because we're tired of it because every time we try to lead, you just rip us and shred us apart and you don't even let us lead. And we put up with it for a while and after a while, we just build that wall and you know what we do? We go back to our nothing box. You know, you you have a phrase for it. It's called, you tune us out. Now, I'm not condoning it. I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm revealing a guy's secret. Okay, okay but I think that's what she's saying here is you're, it's, count, it's actually counterproductive for you. You do it God's way, I think you're gonna get a lot more out of it, okay? And that's what she's saying there. Uh, it undermines. A woman uh, fails here when she, listen, belittles her husband, his ideas, nags him. He's being slowly pecked to death by a duck, okay? Uh, mocks him, reminds him of his inadequacies, His past failures criticizes him, okay? And again, that doesn't mean that you can't disagree. That doesn't mean that you can't communicate. That doesn't mean that you can't share your side. But when you share, when you do communicate, even when you do disagree, is it respectful? When you belittle, when you nag, when you mock, when you remind him of, oh, this is never gonna work because it never works. You never lead us in the right direction. That is sin. You're not fulfilling your role. You can disagree. You, uh, you, you don't, and, and if he asks you to do something biblical, you're not bound to do it. But are you respectful in the way that you communicate? That's what he's talking about here. A wife who sarcastically tears down her husband in front of others. Now, I've said this before. You want to score double negative points? Do all that? You're just talking about little, nagging, tearing them down, shrimp. Do it in public. He'll be in his nothing box for a long time. Okay? Don't do that okay, and who constantly resents her husband and draws attention to his faults does not know how to obey this biblical directive. An attitude of fear and respect leads to words and practical actions of courtesy and thoughtfulness, okay, is what's going on there. A woman who fears and respects her husband will always treat him as someone special, okay? I didn't say always deserves to be treated as something special, It's just like men, as we're called to bust our back for the family and protect our family and provide for our families. Does that mean that uh, men, that our families always appreciate everything that we do for them? No, but what are we called to do? Well, that's it, I quit. Tough. God's called us to do that, keep doing it. That's the way it is. Out of obedience to him. Ladies, the same thing. That as a man, he's been given that position, you honor that position, Okay? And sometimes it is not gonna be worthwhile, but you still do it in obedience to God. Finally, the wife is called on to love her husband, is the next blank there, love her husband. And although this is never given as a direct command, uh, it's implied by Titus two four, <clears throat> where Paul instructs the older women to encourage the young women to love their husbands. Okay, in fact let's go ahead and turn there and read that passage. Titus chapter two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ah, Titus, what a guy! Titus, chapter two. <clears throat> Actually, we'll start in the context with verse one. Here's what he says. Now, you must. Now, he's speaking. First of all, he's giving instructions, practical instructions uh, for the church and to young pastor Timothy or to Titus. And uh, here's what he says. First of all, of Titus, the pastor guy, he says. Now, first of all, uh, uh, Titus, you must teach what is in accord with what. Sound doctrine, all right? Now, here's what you do. You teach the older men to what? To be temperate, worthy of respect, okay? Uh, self-controlled and sound in faith, in love and endurance. Now, likewise, what are you supposed to do? You also get busy teaching the older woman to be, what? what's the word there? Reverent, okay, in the way they live, not to be slanders or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Why? Because they then can train the younger woman to what? love their husbands and children to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind and to be subject to their husbands. Here's the whole point. So that no one will malign the word of God. Now, we don't have time to get into it, but that whole passage there, the proper functioning of people in the church, people in the family, people in the home, just right there, and as Pastor Timothy was to encourage to do it God's way, God's way, what was the whole point there? It isn't just for our benefit, it's not only for the church's benefit, but listen, when you don't do that, and you're acting just like the rest of the world, and you fight and bicker just like the rest of the world, and the family, and stuff and beyond that, and you can't get along just like the rest of the world, what kind of a witness is that? And so they encourage to do that and follow this and do this because again, of course, it's for our benefit, but what a witness to our society where families all messed up, right? They say, wow, God's word, God's way is the best way. Look at those people. I know it's kind of strange. It's not what the TV says, the school says, the media says, of how you're supposed to do family and be a, 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 a woman or a man, but man, it apparently it's working for them, right? And that's what he's talking about there. Or to love <coughs> your husbands, okay? The word translated love husbands is philandros, and it literally means husband lovers. The fact that the older women are to teach and encourage this implies that they've what? Learned this and they memorized it, but they never follow it. They can quote it, especially if they ever get on Jeopardy. No, it means what? Indeed, it means you're doing it. Okay, it's not just something that you say, It's something that you do and it's a learned procedure, right? And indeed, how to show and communicate their love in the family unit and now they're to pass that on uh, to the younger women. Why do you think it's important for us as the older men and the older women uh, to know God's truth and to do this and learn this and put us into practice indeed? Pass it on to the next generation. Now, how does that happen? Example. Number one, I agree with you, example uh, is a key thing. But sometimes it's a deliberate thing, isn't it? Okay? I, I've heard some testimonies of this and whatever. And, you know, sometimes uh, 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 a young lady might be coming to church services and uh, it's meat market time. With their clothing. Whoa. And you know some of the most effective ways to handle that situation? Okay? As the scripture says, you need to dress in modesty. It's not for the guy to go up and challenge the the young girl is for some of the older woman in love. Respectfully, not make a big show of it and embarrassment in front of everybody, but just come alongside them and say, "Hey, you know, you wanna, you wanna wear my sweater? You know, put my extra sweater. You see what I'm saying? That's a ministry that's lost today. I really think, and we're so disconnected from each other that this isn't functioning. It's not being passed down. Okay, and sometimes with the younger men, when when guys get out of line young kids or teenagers, whatever, you know. What we need is the ladies to get there. No, you need a guy. You know why? Because there's just something about guys talking to guys. Have you noticed that? Guys can sometimes, don't even have to say a word. You just got to do the guy look. And I don't care how old you are, you know. Hey, I'll be honest with you. If my dad, even to this day, gave me that dad look, I saw a girl, he'd probably scare me to death. I'm 46 years old, but man, he's got that look, right? You know, But there's something about the older men stepping into the ministry, so to speak, in the church, not just waiting for the pastor to do it. Same thing with the ladies, stepping in with the younger women, not waiting for a sermon to come around the pike to deal with it, not waiting for somebody else to deal with it uh, in a Sunday school class. Hopefully someday, somehow, some way, uh, it's gonna come up. If the wind's blowing in the right direction, when you see it, that as a church, as a family, that we intervene, the younger Uh, uh, are instructed by the older uh, in that fashion. That's what he's talking about there. Now, how about real quickly with the mother? As we stated above, a Christian's wife, greatest, listen this. A Christian's wife's greatest contribution to society is to love her husband. Wow. We're not gonna get much further than this uh, for tonight. Uh, But wait a second. What does our society say? Just throw it out there. Okay, we all know the right answer. I just said it. But what does our society say that, listen, ladies, this is what you need to bust your back for. This is why you exist. This is why you're going to school. This is why you're doing this. This is why you're exerting yourself here. This is why you're doing this and going and getting this and all this and that and see, all this energy and all this time. And, and because your greatest contribution to society is rule over man is a lot of it. That's really pushed today, isn't it? Career, Okay. What else, what's the, growing up, what is become the mandate for the greatest contribution for ladies? Independence. The scripture says to love your husband. The scripture says to be respectful, okay. Uh, Subject yourself, You're, you're to love your children you're, you're to be tender and gentle, okay? And, and, a, and a, a precious, precious spirit, okay? And, and, and you're really taken serious with your children, realizing that God has given you a phenomenal responsibility to raise the next generation in a godly fashion. That you ladies are given the absolutely amazing opportunity from God to literally change the course of a country of a nation by being a part of fashioning a godly household to affect the next generation. That's amazing. And every single one of those things that I just shared with you, and there's more in the scripture, not one of those are being promoted in our society. Not one. And every one of those at the same time are being denigrated. And we wonder why it's all messed up. That's how much uh, our world is messed up. That's why I said last week, if you were here, when i meant those uh, the conferences, and when it comes time to encourage the ladies to be godly Christian women, and frankly, with all due respect, the speakers wimp out. They'll give it hard to the men, but they won't for the ladies. Uh, and to me, as a man, to another man, you're a wimp. I don't mean that like a derogatory, I says you wimped out, man. You had, And because if, if it's not just for the guys, it's for the ladies, and if you really love the ladies, if you really love them, then don't they need to hear the truth too? If guys are doing it wrong, they're doing it in a worldly fashion and they need to be corrected for their own benefit and the benefit of their families, why wouldn't we do the same service to the ladies as well? Okay, we have to. Somebody has to say something, okay, as well. We have to get back. Lord willing, next week we'll pick up with the woman as the mother, and then uh, what is the role uh, in the church, and hopefully we'll get that finished up and move on to the little crumb snatchers. And You guys still smelling it? Introduction to apologetics is coming down the pike. Let's go ahead and pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today that you go to heaven Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702 452 or email us at b.crohn at com, or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.